Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring the experiences of people living with or affected by sexually transmitted infections. This episode is going to sound a little bit different than the other ones up until now, just because historically we've introduced guests by their ethnicity, sexual preference, relationship status, geographical location, career field, and... After a little bit of time and reflection, I realized that that may not be in line with the ultimate goal for what I want to accomplish here. What we're going to do now is just introduce people based on who they are. We have Laura Aisha with us. She is the Ignite Intimacy podcast host. Laura, how are you? Hey. Is that your uh, tagline? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm I so love that title. thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you here with me, especially for us to have been able to do this so soon and on such short notice. Yeah, it's awesome. And I uh, and really grateful that we had a chance to record a conversation for Ignite Intimacy just a couple of days ago. Me too. I felt like it was really good practice because I talk to other people about this stuff all the time and I'm usually asking questions. So whenever anyone asks me questions, it feels so good to be able to not have the burden of coming up with the right questions and making sure to stay on topic. On your podcast, that was your responsibility. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know, I like to just go with the flow of the conversation and follow the energy. So I keep it really free form anyways and we just have fun with it i'm looking forward to doing that with you today yeah it was so much fun and i mean i hope i can match the energy of it <laughs> oh i think no doubt you've got great energy and that was what was so great about recording with you is that your energy comes through uh so beautifully and uh especially with what we're talking about here these are sensitive subjects and it's not for the faint of heart you have to be courageous to come out and talk about this stuff publicly and then that creates space for others to do the same thing which is what we're doing here right it's exactly. Like, exactly like leveling the playing field mm-hmm. one of the things that i do want to ask you of course is what is your condition okay so i have herpes one and two genitally or orally both so it's been Gosh, I think I got uh, type 1 on uh, my lips when I was maybe 15, and I had a boyfriend who got cold sores all the time, and I had no idea that they were contagious. Yeah. <laughs> and so we would make out when he had cold sores, and voila! How did you feel after contracting it that way, especially knowing where it came from and just understanding that you didn't know what you were getting yourself into? I had no issue with it whatsoever. Of course, I don't enjoy getting cold sores on my lips. Thankfully, it only happens once in a while. I'm actually healing from one right now. It usually comes from stress or when my immune system is down and I'm under the weather. So it's interesting how different the experience has been with herpes one on my lips and then type two in my genital region. Just how different that whole experience has been, even though it's the same virus. Right. It's just in different parts of my body. I was really risky as a teenager. So when I was 16 and I got into a bunch of trouble and ended up being court ordered to a couple of different rehabs and I had to go through getting tested and all of that, I remember being terrified. I was convinced that I could have HIV back then. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. I tested negative for that and for all other things, but I did also have HPV as well. That 
cleared up over the years. That was a pretty tense time. I remember being terrified when I got that first HIV test. You said you got cold sores, so HSV type 1 on the lips at age 15. Did that really affect you? No, not at all. As far as dating went, when you were involved with other partners going forward, how did they respond to you getting cold sores? Not at all. It wasn't a weird thing. I would just say if I was dating someone or engaging with someone on a more intimate or sexual level, I would just say, oh, you know, I have a cold sore on Mm -hmm. my lips. So, like, really, it's your call if you want to make out or whatever. Did you ever have to explain it as herpes? Uh, not until later years, not until more recent years. And what's happened recently for you to have to begin explaining that cold sores were herpes? Just that I realized that they were. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just that I realized, like, oh, that's a type of herpes virus. And I realized just how contagious it was. Also that, you know, you want to keep your mouth away from anybody's genitals, when you have a cold sore on your lips because you can transfer HSV-1 to someone's genitals. How far apart was your coming into contact with genital HSV-2 after having been exposed to type 1? I think I was 29. Oh, okay. So you had a good chunk of time. So how was the diagnosis of genital HSV-2 different than finding out you got cold sores? totally devastating. I had my first outbreak when I was in Hawaii for the first time for my twin sister's wedding. Yeah, and I I was uh, so excited to be there. I was also in a very destructive sort of relationship with someone that I had fallen in love with, which it was more of like a dependency type of thing. I've only had a handful of longer term relationships in my life. And he was one of them. He and someone else that I had a longer-term relationship with, neither one of them would get tested. I kept asking if he was seeing anyone else. He was a touring musician, so he was all over the world and just wanted to make sure that I was safe engaging with him sexually. And that now is like a big warning sign. When a person either refuses to get a test or says, oh, I've been, they're like flipping about it. Oh, sometime in the last year, you know, and then I'm like, well, have you had any unprotected sex? When I start asking them questions about it and they get weird about it, that's a big red flag for me. So anyways, so yeah, I um, was on vacation in Hawaii for my twin sister's wedding and she was like, please don't bring any baggage around this guy on this trip. I just really want you present for my wedding, which was a very fair thing to ask. And then I got (laughs) my first outbreak, which totally consumed me. I had no idea what it was. I was totally freaked out. As soon as I returned to New York City, literally off the plane, I went to an STD clinic and they diagnosed it. And I thought my life was over. I was like, this is so devastating. I am so heartbroken over this and just, I felt destroyed by it. And I felt just so shameful. And at that point in my life, I was still being really like, people still say I'm hard on myself, but I was being really, really hard on myself. And the internal dialogue was like, God damn it, Laura, here you go again. You know better. What is wrong with you? So yeah, I really retreated and actually was very guarded for a long time. It all 
also gave me the opportunity to take a step back because I remember within a few years before that diagnosis, my dear, dear friend, Moon Johnson, who has since passed, he said, Laura, if you want the loving partnership that you say that you want with a man in your life, you've got to stop having different lovers and different boyfriends and just get focused. I took his words to heart. And because of the diagnosis, it caused me to become very picky and to increase my self-care, especially around sex and intimacy, a hundredfold and get very confident and more strict is the word that's coming up. Is, <laughs> yeah, no, not going to do that. Thing. Maybe, maybe discipline. Discipline. There you Thank go. You. That's a way better word. Yeah, strict, right? strict just sounds so bad. Like you're know, forced like, to do oh, something you like, don't want to do. I can do. see the nuns, like the, the, the <laughs> little whip. So yeah, that was the beginning of that experience for me. And then actually some really powerful things have come from that diagnosis. Who did you first tell? Well, probably my sister, because she was really aware of what I was going through when I was in Hawaii with her. And then certainly a handful of my closest friends. And then I waited to tell this person until they were back in town and I could actually tell them face to face. And when you told that person, what was their response? Very quiet, very sort of like, I'm so sorry. I have never had any issues that I know of. And this person had also not been tested in God knows how long. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they claimed that they hadn't been sleeping around, which I found out within a year after that, that that was not true. So I was one of several women that this person was sleeping with. And whether or not it was protected or unprotected, it still was that I was asking for some transparency. He wasn't willing to give it to me. Uh, and then also as a result of him not taking care of his sexual health and getting tested, and not even that they test for herpes regularly, you actually have to request a test for herpes. And I've heard that some clinics will, are just like, oh no, we don't even test for that. Mm -hmm. Because so many, it's so common. I don't know why a clinic wouldn't offer a test for that if it's an STD clinic, but Anyways, um, so they were very sorry about it and, you know, in their behavior and they still didn't go and get a test. Oh my goodness. How did you feel about that? They really didn't care to go and get tested. Uh, I was angry about it because there's this thing that goes around with certain people like, oh, well, you got tested. So I actually know that I'm good or that I may have this and whatever you know and so it's like, yep guilty uh, i've they, done that you've done that yes i'm guilty of it whenever uh i was between partners and they would get tested or have their annual wellness exams if they came back and were like oh yeah got all my tests done i'm clear i'd just be like yes me too and leave it at that oh, yep Courtney. well no that's old me that's before i got herpes Courtney. now that i got herpes i get tested regularly yeah And it, it's, and it is a common thing, yeah, especially yeah. among men, just because we don't have to go to the doctor. We don't have annual exams like women do. If it's not necessary, then there's no need for us to go. Now, if we're sick and yeah. like absolutely have to go to the doctor for whatever reason, 
more than likely we'll just be there for whatever that reason is and then go on about our business. But there's no real incentive for us to go and get tested or there's nothing forced upon us that says we have to get tested. Whereas with women, there are things that can go unnoticed and you would be more aware of or concerned about those things. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're recording in your closet right now. (laughs) You see my fashion going on back here? Oh, yeah. Or lack thereof? All my, uh... We might be calling Queer Eye for the straight guy. (laughs) We got got t-shirts, sweatpants, and basketball shorts. (laughs) Seriously, getting tested is a big deal, and it should be made a bigger deal. I recently went to the Pride activities here in St. Louis. One thing that I noticed in hindsight after I left, I was like, whoa, this is a group of people that I was raised in my household, grandparents, great grandparents. Being gay was bad. This is probably the worst thing you can do. And there was a whole stigma behind it. If you're gay, you're going to get HIV, those kinds of things. So after having become an adult, going off to college and becoming cultured and surrounded by various people, I had the confidence to go to a pride parade as a cis gendered straight male i hope i'm saying this right i'll get an email if i'm saying it wrong but uh i think you i think you got it as as a straight dude going to a pride parade or pride event let's call it that because i i thought i was at the parade and i showed up late but turns out i was just at a function there were a handful of food trucks there was a small stage with performers uh people were outside dancing and there were a few tents set up so i'm out here supporting a friend and guest that we had on the podcast and her nonprofit. when i'm walking around i see that all of these different people who identify as something different um whether it be lesbian gay bisexual. I'm, I'm trying to go through the whole rainbow here, but each part of the rainbow recognize the bigger picture of the rainbow. So everyone who's here is not just part of the community, but you have loved ones of the community. You've got yeah. two women co-parents, one's clearly Caucasian, one's clearly of another ethnicity, and they're changing the diaper of this little black girl. And she gets up, runs around, plays, and they pick her up, kiss her. There's so much love there. Different people interacting with different people, everyone's singing, everyone's dancing, people are dressed however they're dressed and really just self-expressing. And when I left there, it was on my mind that, damn, you know, this is a stigmatized group of people who are living with that stigma, I guess. And the biggest thing that I noticed is how people with herpes deal with the stigma versus how people in the LGBTQ community have dealt with it. There's a whole party around it and there's HIV testing. So to someone like me who grew up thinking or learning, being taught that if you're gay, you're going to get HIV, being there and seeing, oh, okay, there's all these stations for HIV. So that tackles that because this group of people is aware of what the stigma is and they're doing something about it by encouraging people to know what their status is, encouraging people to get tested. And then bringing that into the herpes community is like, well, why can't we have a similar thing to be able to encourage people to get tested or encourage the support of one another and then get that support from our family members, friends, and and allow it to branch out from there, allowing it to start within the community. Yeah, well, and we're making some blanket statements, right? Mm -hmm. There's the ground spectrum. There are people who are in the closet, terrified for their lives to come out. And then there are people who have come out. There are people who just courageously are out in the world, even though they know that 
their lives are at risk by being out. And I have such a deep level of respect and honor for our LGBTQ family to be out, especially in certain countries and certain cities and certain towns. Your life is on the line every day, Mm -hmm. right? And to be out in that way and to be so courageous, it blows my mind. And what I found with my journey with a positive HSV2 diagnosis 14 years ago is that I've gone through the grand spectrum of experience around this diagnosis and around living with it. And from totally devastated, my life is over. What is my sex life going to look like? How am I going to tell people about this dealing with potential rejection, just all of that. And then slowly moving into spaces of more confidence, sharing with more people. Like I started to just kind of dip my toe in the water and share with some of my girlfriends and then having them say, oh yeah, I've got that too. I I deal with that. And then I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. I felt like I was the only one in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And that was so such an isolating feeling. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. So when I actually started to share it with people in my community and people that I love and then do the dance and figure out sharing with potential partners that was a challenge and it was a challenge for many many years and then it became easier my self-love grew my self-confidence grew and I had people straight up reject me I mean just straight up like no I can't hang and then I had someone that I was seeing for a while I mean basically his response was okay yeah I had a girlfriend who had that and we were just really careful and I'm still going to eat your pussy. And I was like, best response yeah. ever. <laughs> uh, Come on. Yeah. I got to so, say that might be top two best responses to get back. First one being me too. And then that yeah. one, having both HSVs really hasn't impacted your dating life except for, you know, the potential rejections here and there. Right. It definitely impacted my dating life and it has impacted it in ways where I felt rejected and bummed out and angry. It also has impacted it in ways where I felt powerful and acknowledged. And, you know, I've gotten quite a few times because I get that most people are not sharing their status. Get that from people in my experience that people say, wow, thank you for being courageous enough to share that with me. And I'll ask, have you had anyone else share this with you? And it's very few and far between that people say, yeah, I have. And people are sharing. And I would venture to say there are quite a few people living with some sort of an STI that don't share it. And everyone has their own approach to it. You know, I know someone who said, I started to ask men, would you want to know or would you not want to know? And a lot of men in her experience said, no, I wouldn't want to know because it changes my relationship to your body. And I have an issue with that because I am on the journey to love myself fully and wholly and to know myself as whole, complete and perfect as I am right now. And 
I am creating space for people in my life to know, know me fully and wholly, all of it, the grand spectrum of who I be, who I present myself as in this lifetime with all of it and to still be here and to still love me and be on the journey with me. And if you don't know that about me, then it's a big part of me that you don't know. That was deep. <laughs> I like hey, it though. I, I love don't know it. how to do it any other way, honey. <laughs> you came out on your podcast as being HSV positive. Which episode was that? Episode 16. It's our second most popular podcast episode. If that doesn't tell you something, yeah. you know, people out there want to know. <laughs> you know, I'm speaking to everyone who's listening to the podcast and anyone who has recently been diagnosed or is afraid to go get a test. Listen, it is a powerful path to be responsible and take care of yourself and be that space for other people as well. I am living proof that you can go from feeling like it's over, total devastation, so much shame, so much regret and just ugh, yucky feelings and, and just feeling like, okay, well maybe I'm never going to have another boyfriend again to being completely empowered in who I am today and the ability to share my status with partners in a way that is just from nothing. It's just, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I have. And it's my responsibility to share that with you. So do you have any questions? Would you like to, you know, like talk about it further and then creating space for them anytime there's something that comes up for them around it or they feel triggered about it or need to talk, let's talk about it. I want to just make sure there's nothing ever in the space about that. What gave you the courage to come out on your podcast about it? I got connected to Adriel Dale from the H Opportunity and definitely check that out. He's amazing and he's got a whole blog and resources. I think it's hopportunity.com. And I said, I need to record an interview with you for my podcast. He was totally game. And then I said, I had been thinking about it for a while. And I said, I want to come out about this because I'm part of the movement to destigmatize herpes and living with herpes and uh, to just level the playing field and have it be as normal of a conversation of like, oh, uh, do you prefer blowjobs or handjobs? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And just have it be like just normalized, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so episode 16 of Ignite Intimacy podcast, check it out. Again, it's the second most listened to episode so far on the podcast. Yeah. And what is Ignite Intimacy about? Let's talk about that. Well, yeah, I'll so tell Ignite you from Intimacy. my personal experience was the episode titled The Clitoris is Not a DJ Booth. Oh, yeah. That was the one I listened to. And I took something from that. I'll leave that to the listener to go and check it out. But there was something that I did from that. And it worked. I don't know the best way to <laughs> say it. Uh, but applying what was taught from that episode did something. <laughs> and it did a good thing. <laughs> yeah, for you and your partner? Yes. Oh, yeah. Great. We, Great. we enjoyed that thing we did. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's juicy. 
so the whole reason why I started the podcast is that I've been on my own relational journey with romance and sex and intimacy for many, many years. And I wanted to know why have I been mostly single in my adult life? And I like psychologically, I, I could list off 10 reasons why. And, and then I see people in one long-term relationship after another or people who meet in high school and they're married for 70 years and then they pass. And then, you know, there's just so many different relationship styles and as sexually expressed as I always felt like I have been, I realized there is so much I haven't experienced and things that I still felt embarrassed or shameful to talk about. And I wanted to go on this journey of exploration and give other people the opportunity to join me. So that's why I started Ignite Intimacy and and launched the podcast in August of 2016. Nice. And how many episodes are we at? Are we at 80? 77. Oh, 77. I remember you were in there. Yeah, my lucky birth year. 77. (laughs) Nice. And yeah, and so we cover so many different topics on the podcast, all relating in some way, shape, or form to sex, intimacy, romantic relationships, Mm -hmm. lots of talk about communication, uh, the female anatomy, orgasm, different relational styles, open relationships, polyamory, monogamy, BDSM, the list goes on and on and on, a ton about consent, making disclosure sexy, which is what we're, you know, talking about right now. And that loops around again to communication, just how can you communicate about sensitive topics without it being so heavy and significant and just creating some spaciousness around it and some juice and some flow so that again you you uh create a different energy around those conversations Mm -hmm. and i think that that's important because preventive measures aren't necessarily working anymore it's more so about preparation there is no safe sex there is no surefire way to prevent yourself from contracting an sci if you are sexually active so like you don't have sex And then even then, like, you could be exposed to herpes and pass it on to your genital region somehow. You know, even that's not even 100%. So one of the things that what I'm trying to do here with something positive for positive people is give people direction for after a diagnosis or prepare people for what happens in the event that you do become exposed to STI. I'm so glad that we were able to get connected because I feel like being able to openly have conversations about sex is crucial. It's one of the major contributors to safer sex. When you can openly and honestly communicate the topic of consent, even when you're able to talk about these kinds of things, it reduces the risk of contracting an SCI, passing an SCI, because we're comfortable with having these kinds of conversations. That's right. I appreciate you for sharing your status, coming out about it, for being on this podcast, for the podcast you're doing, and for sharing the journey that you're on with Ignite Intimacy as well. I appreciate you. you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. And like, I just want to say that I was nervous to have this conversation today. So I present as courageous and powerful, and I am nervous just like everyone else out there, nervous and scared and like, oh God, what if so-and-so sees this or, you know, I start dating someone who I haven't told yet because we haven't been, we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. (laughs) And and they like see this and they're like, oh no, I'm going to, no, I'm staying away from that. You know, because that's the story that I, that I have in my head. Yeah. And I 
choose to show up anyways and show up in the face of those fears and be part of the movement, like I said, that is is normalizing this conversation and, and encouraging more people to actually have the conversation. Yeah. The beauty about being out, though, publicly about it is that when people reach out to you or they find you or Google you, you should Google everyone you take out on a date. First of all, you'd be surprised what comes up. I even Googled myself and the first thing that pops up is personal trainer talks about his STD. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, I'd hate if I was like actively dating, you know. Yeah. Google people. You'll get a lot from that. But what I was saying is just that the beauty about being out about it is you assume everybody knows. And when you can go through life under the assumption that everyone knows your deepest, darkest secret, it gives you a whole new sense of perspective because it's like, all right, now what do you have on me? My favorite movie is 8 Mile for that reason. The last rap battle, Eminem just trashes himself and his opponent has nothing to say and he wins. So that's essentially how life is. You know, when you're able to just own who you are, be who you are, life's just so much more simple to live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when we're not hiding, there's nothing to hide. It's not. We're at a point now where everyone who's listening to this is more than likely sexually active unless this makes its way into the education system. And we're teaching about sexual health through this podcast, which would be mind blowing to me considering the amount of times the F-bombs being used. (laughs) But whatever we can do to help, we're here. So, Laura, how can people find you? So people can find me. Ignite Intimacy is on all the podcasts platforms itunes spotify google play and elsewhere just search ignite intimacy podcast on google your favorite ever-present free assistant and you can check us out on social media at ignite intimacy on both facebook and instagram also ignite intimacy.com and if you'd like to contact me directly hello at ignite intimacy.com Thank you. Is there anything else you want to leave us with or that you wanted to add that we didn't get to touch on? I just want to say that I'm so grateful for you, Courtney, and the stand that you're taking for people living with positive STI results and for the the energy that you're creating around this conversation and for the support and the space that you be for people who may be really in the dark place right now struggling with a positive diagnosis or not sure whether they're living with something or not and afraid to get tested or whatever the case may be i just so honor you and everyone who's listening i just want to say get up get up right now get out of your way the world is calling you to be your greatest legacy so yeah get up get out of your way stand for Stand strong and courageous and love yourselves and love each other. And I'm in the work right now. I'm on the court playing that game. And it's a journey. It's a wild and wonderful journey here in life. So, so grateful to be on something positive for positive people. Thank you for having me. Thank you. What what do you do outside of the podcast? Uh, So I'm a business consultant. I also am a singer and writer. There it is. I never even asked you that. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I opened a podcast with we're going to ask people what they do rather than what they look like. And then I go the whole time without ever asking you that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, so, yeah, you can check out my music at Laura com, And it's Laura A. So L-A-U-R-A. A. I-I-S-H-A dot bandcamp dot com.
You have. And I, my music is on iTunes and all of that uh, via Laura Aisha, A-I-I-S-H-A. You have a lot of vowels in your name. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of I's. Just to keep it interesting. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man. Yeah. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Okay. Ciao for now. Bye. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People featuring Laura Aisha of the Ignite Intimacy podcast. Please, please, please like, rate, review, subscribe to Something Positive for Positive People and check out Ignite Intimacy whenever you get a chance. Both of us are on each other's podcast, which is pretty cool. So on her podcast, you get my story. And then on this one, you've gotten hers. Please continue to help this podcast grow by leaving those reviews, letting people know that it exists. I thank each and every one of you for your support and the ongoing feedback that I'm getting privately from new listeners who find the podcast useful. Thank you again to all the guests that we've had on for bravely sharing your stories and for rolling with me on this roller coaster because the podcast, as I always mention, is evolving into something and we're figuring out what that is kind of as we go along. Till next time, stay positive. Yes.